0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome and uh, before we get to our top story today, this just in that actually two Canadians have been killed in that attack in burkina faso so um Lots of uh, bad things happening around the world. And now to our top story. The world watched in horror as white supremacists and neo-Nazis descended on Charlottesville, Virginia, to stage what they described as their largest rally in decades to, quote, Take America back. They openly chanted racist and anti Semitic slogans and one counter protester. Heather Hayes was killed when a car driven by James Alex Field plowed into that crowd. In his statement, President Donald Trump was reluctant to call out the alt right by name, putting the blame on quote, many sides. That was hailed as a victory by the alt-right. He didn't name them. And Trump has come under fire for that. The White House later condemned the white supremacists, but that didn't come from Trump itself. And so did the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, who said the incident fits the definition of domestic terrorism. Now, there have been many protests around North America since then. So does this represent a reemergence of this hateful ideology uh, or... Does the backlash against it signal its demise? We'd like to know, as always, what you think. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 866 740 740 Right now, we go to Michael Diamond of Upstream Strategy and also filmmaker Martin Himmel. Uh, many of our listeners will be familiar with his work. Uh, much of which is broadcast on our sister station, Vision TV. And uh, Martin had a four-part documentary called Jew-bashing the New Anti-Semitism. He went undercover, and some of the people that he talked to undercover for that documentary featured in this Charlottesville white supremacist protest. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Okay. So, uh, Michael, let's start with you. Uh, What do you make about everything that has now happened around this?
2: You know, it's, it's certainly, it's, it's always shocking to watch anything like like this unfold. And the president, uh, who was always very quick to uh, criticize the former president and his uh, language around terrorist attacks, certainly has left a lot to uh, be desired in his, in his comments. He's in, you know, a bad situation, as always, because he's damned if he does, doesn't, damned if he doesn't, you know, uh, he'll be told to tweet about this, but then he's told to not tweet. So he, he's in a bad situation, but that's all of his own making, uh, and whenever, you know, these situations are, nothing short of depressing.
1: Uh, Martin, uh, you were undercover with some of these people. What, what can you tell us about these so-called alt-right groups?
3: Well, I can tell you that they've got far more support than most people imagine, because on the internet, their websites like Vanguard News Network, Vanguard was one of the groups that was at that demonstration, Vanguard News Networks, is ranked in the top five percent of uh, internet sites and traffic in the world. There's millions of people who follow them very quietly. Unfortunately, uh, Donald Trump, uh, directly or indirectly, has basically given them a sense of legitimacy by not uh, categorically coming out against them in this demonstration and looking the way the other way on many other incidents, which will only encourage them to take more demonstrations. But I. I met the leader of Vanguard News Network, uh, uh, and it took months to get to see him in Kirksville, Missouri, an isolated town. And uh, he told me in very frank terms, uh, uh, straight to the face, that uh, Hitler missed uh, completing his mission in annihilating the Jews and murdering them all, and that they have to finish
4: the job.
1: Um, now, one of the things that I find Very interesting, and there's a parallel with uh, the radicalization, radical Muslims, and that is that the role of the Internet in this. Michael? Yes. Or Martin, Martin, whoever. Go ahead. Michael, you go
2: ahead. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you know, the internet is a place where people can uh, make comments that are nameless, and they get emboldened to eventually, you know, uh, move from a comment board to Twitter to to showing up at a rally like this to committing a crime. So it's definitely uh, concerning, and yeah, uh, absolutely, the parallel between ISIL recruitment and
3: this is uh, very similar.
1: Uh, Martin, what what do you what do you make of that?
3: Well, I listen. ISIS is. Proven quite a, uh, that you can uh, motivate people, get them to do horrific acts. Uh, I mean, uh, the difference between the uh, fellow who rammed a truck in uh, Mar- in, the Mar- uh, in Nice and killed 80 people, and this uh, uh, young man, man. who uh, killed one person. Is basically in the casualties. The technique was the same. So the internet and spewing hate on the internet can motivate a lot of people, especially people who are uh, very troubled, lonely, and looking for causes.
1: Um, there are a couple of very troubling aspects. Well, there are many very troubling aspects to this, but let's uh, touch first of all on Donald Trump's role in all of this. You know, where's that noise coming from? Uh, Okay. Hopefully the noise on the lines will die down. Um, So first of all, uh, as you rightly pointed out, that he used to call out Barack Obama for not calling radical Islam by its name. And now he... Is hesitating to do that with white supremacists, and and just today, uh, another very disturbing thing. Um, one of the few uh, black CEOs of a major Fortune 500 company, Merck, was on his manufacturing council. Resigned from that council. Uh, This morning, because Trump refused to name the white supremacists, then Trump gets on Twitter and says, uh, like, really rude. Now he'll have more time to deal with drug ripoff prices. Uh, Michael, what do you think of that?
2: Well, and that's just it with Trump. It's it's the process he takes to get there, because he'll often at the very end of the day say... Say something he should, and it might not be eloquent. You know, it's certainly awkward to talk about a t- domestic terrorist uh, attack and finish it by saying "so sad" because "so sad" doesn't actually capture how uh, deplorable and devastating this is. Although I should be careful about using "deplorable" uh, in uh, relation to the president. Uh, but if you think back to the campaign when he was asked to disavow David Duke, he eventually did. But it took him like 12 minutes on Meet the Press to say something that any sane person who who has any common decency would just say right off the bat. So it's the process that he takes to get to often say the right thing, where by the time he gets there and says what, what he should have said at the beginning, nobody cares anymore. Because why did it take him so long to do something that's so uh, sensible?
1: Well, some people think he is racist. Some people think he just has no compunction of uh, getting the support of people who are white supremacists
2: well and that's just it is, is it uh, is there a huge difference between being racist yourself or or allowing yourself to be a vehicle to uh, to success for racists to feel emboldened or to court
3: their support through a dog whistle so is there really a difference there
1: uh, Martin
3: well, yeah well there's a much more glaring problem for him here too which I don't know if he's really understanding and that is His closest supporters, like Mike Pence, the vice president, like Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, both who are very, very right-wing conservatives and couldn't be called uh, liberal in any way, have both categorically condemned white supremacists here, and Jeff Sessions said it's an act of terror, domestic terror. You can't get more uh, definitive than that, and the fact that he doesn't step up to the plate makes it all the more glaring. It's almost like the Republican there's a Republican party that's administering, and then there's this White House that's isolated, that's taking a different path, and it's it's quite glaring when that happens.
1: Do you think that uh, this has a chance of sort of normalizing these views? I mean, it's it's kind of shocking to see people actually, you know, willing to say this in public. Well, uh, may I answer that? Or- Please. Is it okay? Yeah.
3: Well, I, I, the thing that struck me about these white groups, white supremacist groups, is when I tried to reach them, which was uh, three or four years ago, is that they are—they were intensely frightened uh, and suspicious and scared to come out in public. They would always come out in the Internet and in cyberspace, but to actually meet people and talk to you, it would only be in a public place, Uh, Like when I met Alex Linder from Vanguard, it had to be in a place called uh, Truman Park in this tiny town called Kirksville. They're very, very frightened. They're very, very scared. But that's going to change now, because whether Trump meant it or not, and whether he has any, uh, you know, he might be totally against them, but the fact that he didn't take a stand on it and gave him sort of a wink, that will be a tremendous impetus for them to come up with more demonstrations like that, because that fear factor, that deterrent factor... That, uh, you know, pointing the the people, the the society pointing a finger at them factor is going to dissipate and they'll be more emboldened now to take uh, more demonstrations.
1: Michael, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And it's foolish
2: of the president, because I think he thinks that there's a tremendous part of his base that uh, he would lose if he were to come out against it. But all you have to do is look at the Louisiana senatorial election from last year, where David Duke, uh, who Donald Trump had such a hard time disavowing during the campaign, was a candidate for the United States Senate and came in dead last. So uh, you get a bunch of people to show up at a rally, you have the internet uh, boards, you have, the tw- you have you have people on Twitter, they're able to amplify what their influence actually is, but when it comes into the ballot box, which is the thing that a politician should worry about uh, if for electoral reasons, obviously they should worry about decency for uh, every other reason, but if, if, it, if this is an electoral calculation, it's a silly one, because David Duke in Louisiana came in at the very bottom of that uh, senatorial primary, so there isn't the base of support there that the president seems to think is important to him.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Walter in Hamilton. Hi, Walter.
4: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Fine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Go ahead.
4: Okay, thanks for taking my call. Uh, what I'd like to say here is these horrible ac- uh, incidents that took place over the weekend, that could all be avoided because we have to get some orders and priority here. Number one, any form of hate is not... Natural. It is taught from generation to generation. It is not something that comes naturally. And secondly, I refer to hate as an antisocial cancer. I wrote a book on um, called "Let's End Violence" and has been published. And I had the money to publish it, but at the same time, in that book, I uh, use cancer as an antisocial metaphor describing what hate does to society and that we can that's exactly an e- example where it comes from and we have to uh, put laws in place and say okay there's a limit here yes there is a freedom of speech and all that sort of stuff and blah 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 but at the same time it should be treated like a tool it's like a a knife i can go home and cut my food and prepare my food with knife. it's legal. But if I was to go out and use it to carve somebody because I hate him or her because of whatever reason, I think basically uh, speeches should be treated the same way. You have the freedom of speech, but the minute you start to defame someone or uh, vile their, uh, their being or humanity over whatever you hate them for, because as far as I'm concerned, any kind of hate, whether it's racism homophobia, sexism, and all the schisms you can possibly think of are all different species of antisocial cancers. Okay, Walter, thanks be
1: beaten. Thanks for your call. Uh, we do have, uh, of course, laws against hate speech here. Uh, you know, they're not as strong in the States. They uh, veer more towards uh, free speech over there. Let's go to Nelasco in Hamilton. Hello there. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Yeah, thanks for, calling,
5: uh, for taking my call, Ms. Sniper. Okay, you asked earlier, would this incident signal a resurgence or a demise of these uh, French groups? Okay, uh, David Cunningham in the American Public Experience has a very good documentary, "Tracing the waves. This is in regard to Ku Klux Klan. So they come in waves. They will resurge, and and you mentioned the use of the internet. It will facilitate their their resurgence. It will not go away. The U.S. is an open society; it has its Bill of Rights, among others. And there will always be these groups. Now, I agree with the gentleman that said earlier that there should be a way to you know to invoke the law when they go beyond the, the pale of, you know, of freedom of speech. The other thing that I noted is there seems to be a confusion. Some media outlets refer to them as white nationalists. The majority would call them white supremacists. There's a thin line that divides, but still a, 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 an important distinction. Um, white supremacists, they consider themselves superior. White nationalists, they are threatened that the white race is being erased out of mass. But they converge in one basic contemptible uh, philosophy, and that is committing racial violence.
1: Yep. Um, I was surprised actually when I heard uh, them being referred to as white nationalists as opposed white to
5: supremacists.
1: white supremacists. but they yes. They
5: should be called, you know, call an ace an ace.
1: Yep. Okay, Nolasco, thanks very much.
5: Thank you very much.
1: Okay, Uh, we are uh, running out of time on this. Let's go back to our panelists. Uh, Martin, what would you like to leave us with?
3: Well, actually, one of your calls made an interesting point, and that is that uh, many of the scenes that we saw in Charlottesville that took place in Canada, many of these people have been arrested because uh, it would be branded as hate speech, a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, and, and this demonstration never would have happened or they've been arrested. And that's probably, and the same goes for in Europe. In Europe, actually, they would get stiffer jail sentences for that, which brings to the whole issue of how much is free speech free and how much is it also a matter of responsibility. And I think that the United States goes too far on that. And I think the, the Canadian or the European option uh, model is much more reliable.
1: Well, I have to say that this whole incident uh, is yet another reason. Uh, I'm certainly glad I live here and not there. Martin, thank you. And uh, let's go to uh, Michael. Uh, what would you like to leave us with? You know, it
2: it is uh, just, I mean, such a depressing time and the president needs to uh, be stronger as Republicans uh, in Congress are calling on him to on this. But uh, really, at the end of the day, uh, there's so much focus in society on the differences between people, and that's uh, the fault of politicians on both sides who are trying to exploit that for political gains. So hopefully they can focus on America and not what divides people.
1: Okay, thank you very much to you both.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.